Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack that has no <laughs> the in it, and Aunt Christina Warren, yes! Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. Cool Aunt yes! Christina. Cool, cool Aunt, Aunt Christina. Cool Aunt Christina is now like an actual biological thing. It has been a thing for forever. But it's now a biological thing. You've always Yay. been my spiritual aunt and my financial aunt, but now mm-hmm. you are a literal aunt to an actual baby. Mm-hmm. I appreciate this. Well, we have a lot of topics to get through, and we've got to send Christina off to enjoy family time. So uh, uh, get ready for the fastest rocket <laughs> you've ever experienced outside of Elon rocket. Musk's like, that's backyard. That's in the name. You expect yeah. it. All right. First up, some quick news hits. The Facebook Oversight Board decided today to uh, maintain Trump's ban for the foreseeable future. For now, this is not like a permanent, permanent, permanent decision. I don't think anything is when it comes to tech. But for now, they have voted. uh, He is still banned from Facebook. What do y'all think? So just to go super quickly at this, I love the irony that Facebook goes and they wanted to off- offshore these decisions in a way to shield them from political blowback. So they handpick like a bunch of, you know, like Wonks. people they're going to, yeah, people <laughs> they're going to do exactly what Facebook wants. What do they do? They openly critique Facebook for not giving them data in the in their uh, release statement uh, about Facebook's role in the January 6th uh, insurrection and basically shove it back on Facebook. So uh, happy, happy with the, the call. I think it's the right one to make. Um, and I'm just laughing at the, uh, I, I think it is it, to bring up a Kim Kardashian, uh, Jeff, it is what he deserves. It shows that the oversight is working. Uh, Christina, you have any quick thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah. The only thing I'm going to say is I continue to think that the oversight committee is complete BS yep. and it is, it is like, it has no purpose. This is one of those examples to me. It has no teeth in it. I mean, yeah, they upheld the decision, but they were also like, oh, but you need to make a decision about what, like, whether this is going to be permanent or not. And, like, indefinitely doesn't work. And, and it just seemed like a total cop-out, you know? Yeah, it, I guess that's fair. Face- I mean, the fact that they're critiquing Facebook as the oversight board to me is like, oh, oh good on you. Critical thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine. But, I mean, uh, ombudsmen do that sort of thing, too. Like, I, I would expect that. To me, I just felt like this whole thing is a cop-out and this whole thing is a lot of hand-wringing. And yep. I'm just going to make a prediction. He's going to be back on in six months with his, you know, new blog thing. I guess I wouldn't be surprised at that, considering, like, that's kind of the how long memory lasts at this moment in time. I'll be mad about it, but I bet they think that no one else will be. Well, another update on a previous Rocket story. We have a Peloton update. So... The CEO Mm -hmm. of Peloton, John Foley, uh, has apologized for Peloton's initial uh, reaction to the CPSC's statement uh, asking Peloton or asking Peloton users to stop using their Pelotons or Tread Plus treadmills, rather, very specifically, uh, and asking Peloton to recall the Tread Plus treadmills because they were injuring and in one case killing children. Uh, So CEO John Foley said, I want to be clear, Peloton made a mistake in our initial response to the CPSC's request that we recall the Tread Plus. We should have engaged more productively with them from the outset. For that, Mm. I apologize. And they're recalling those dang treadmills. 
Uh, this is good news, obviously. We were very hard on their response on the show for good reason. Uh, I suspect that as they started digging deeper into it, there's a flaw in the tread that uh, surpasses uh, what is the normal, uh, what is normal for treadmills in the industry because a recall of this scale with something this heavy is going to be extremely expensive. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think this is, uh, I also think one of the, uh, like y'all, we forget how close Peloton was to bankruptcy before COVID. Mm. So, um, you know, they're doing very well now. I personally don't intend to like go back to a normal gym. I'm happy with my home gym and I think they've got a bright future ahead of them. So I think this is a, a smart decision and a moral decision. Yeah. I have a feeling that their lawyers looked at this and realized that this was probably the only decision. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, the, the liability insurance people were like, wow, your response to this for all the reasons that we already talked about before mm-hmm. doesn't work. And it was terrible. I'm glad they're doing this. I, I will say, and we don't want to go too into it because we are on a schedule. It is notable here. They're not just recalling the Tread Plus, but also the new Tread yep. that just came out. Now, that one had been in limited release. I think there were only like 1,050 units out there. It weighed less. That one had a different problem. In that case, the screen could fall off and fall on you. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, oh, gosh. Um, ah. uh, look, they, they do real well with the bikes. Maybe, yeah. maybe they need to do a whole rethink on the treads because not only are they dangerous in general, uh, as we talked about, but their track record, not super great it's right now. It's just such but, a silly thing. It's such a serious problem and their initial handling of it was so callous. And yep. like, like you said, Christina, lawyers have the lawyers have entered the chat and they're like "Uh uh-oh uh speaking of entering the chat our first main topic of the day is one that if you are in the tech world on twitter (sighs) you have not been able to avoid and i'm sorry but you're not going to be able to avoid it here either unless you skip to topic two all right so the software company Basecamp is in turmoil. Uh, as of now, I believe over a third of the 57-person company has accepted buyouts and resigned. Uh, this is all because of some charge conversations that have been happening within the company. Apparently, Basecamp had, for a long time, kept a list of quote-unquote, big quote-unquote here, funny customer names, um, which a newly formed diversity, equity, and inclusion committee found and said, actually, this, uh, they expressed discomfort with it. They said, actually, this is like one of the stepping stones to creating, to to causing racial violence. And in light of the anti-Asian violence that's been on the rise recently, this is a bad look for us. We should, we should not do this. We should discuss this. Uh, And those discussions were being had internally, but the uh, company leaders just kind of shut it down. Um, they put the the lid back on that pot and expected that to not <laughs> boil over. Uh, the uh, CEO, Jason Freed, uh, made a post on his blog uh, saying, societal and political discussions won't be allowed in Basecamp's internal chat apps anymore, uh, as well as a couple of other semi-related changes um, kind of falling in line with this. So as well, you, you can't talk about things that affect the world outside of work. They're also eliminating benefits that affect employees in that same way. So like fitness benefit, continuing education benefit, farmers market shares, and also eliminating committees, one of which was, of course, the aforementioned diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. 
This also made people very unhappy. Uh, There was a huge meeting, a three-hour-long meeting, in which employees uh, raised their objections to this and said it made them very uncomfortable and that it was just not good in general. It went very badly uh, with one of the senior execs saying, there's no white supremacy at base camp, and the CEO kind of saying, thank you for your contribution to this conversation, which made a lot of people feel very unsafe. Uh, That senior executive has since left the company. Um, And as the kind of coda to all of this, David Heinemeyer Hansen, who is formerly a guest on the show, who's a a programmer at Basecamp, he has just been, been very embarrassing and doubling down on Twitter. And this is not the most important thing. However, he has blocked Christina Warren. So people who, I I bring that up only because he's been a guest on the show before. um, And we spoke very highly about his email app, Hey. And uh, I've met him in person many times. That bridge seems to have burned. (laughs) Oh, it's gone. It's gone. And, and, And for the record, there are plenty of reasons for people to block me on Twitter. Like Calvin Harris blocked me once. He did unblock me, but he blocked me once because I think I said like who Taylor Swift should like go out with next or whatever. Oh, um, and and what? like, yeah. I was mean, he name searching himself or did you whatever. tag him? Oh, I'm pretty sure I tagged him, but oh, like, Christina, <laughs> you're not wrong. And like, I own that. And that, I like took that block on the chin. I was like, fair dude right like this is a dick thing to say and this I'm, I'm i'm being funny and like block me like whatever uh in this case he was just tweeting through it like this was i think before his second blog post of three i think he was just continuing to tweet through it and it was just not going well and i just said dude stop that's all i said mm-hmm. blocked so it was like so. and then i was <laughs> Well, I mean, couldn't be more mild. And at that point, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, now now this is humorous to me. I, returning like, to the larger issues yes, of this topic, uh, this is just a subset of the larger conversations that have been being had about diversity in tech. And this one, as you pointed out in your in other tweets about this, Christina, that were less flippant than Dude Stop, it's kind of had an outsized uh, place in the tech industry just because this company is is very it's very cool it's very beloved um even though it is such a small company uh so it, it's kind of dominated the conversation in a way that one wouldn't necessarily expect from such a small company however i think the issues at play here are obviously not limited to base camp this is something that i probably is relevant to any any tech company and um yeah so Let's talk about it. I have a lot to say about this. So it kind of came in in multiple phases, right? The first part of it was when uh, Jason announced there was no politics at work, kind of following what Coinbase did earlier this year. The difference is, you know, Coinbase at its core, you know, libertarian crypto bros versus Basecamp, where you've got, you know, David 24 seven railing against Apple antitrust and, mm. you know, Trump. And it, there's certainly a very leftist uh, face of the world that it uh, testifying in front but, of Congress. Right. Right. Like, so, which, which I'm sorry, you can't get more political than testifying in front abso- of Congress. Absolutely. So, yeah, very different thing here. What I found so interesting was in Casey Newton's uh, kind of expose about the meeting that happened, you get the way that everybody 
portrayed this was, oh, it's just those SJWs causing trouble at work. Like that was the the Wall Street Journal op-ed, right? Like, oh, those leftists putting diversity into everything and making it so hard for us to get our work. Just shut it down. We don't want to hear it. Let's stay focused on it. And what does the damn situation end up being? You've got some conservative guy posting Breitbart nonsense in the work chat, trying to tell black people at work that structural racism does not exist at the company and a whole bunch of other just things that invalidate who they are in a really dehumanizing way. Oh, surprise, surprise. The actual jerk here, the one making it political is the one literally making an uncomfortable place for anyone that doesn't fit a very narrow archetype to work. And I just, it's so frustrating that the, that there hasn't been a reckoning with that, with all the conservative media that lost their s about this. But overall, like Casey Newton's report on this, it was just abhorrent what he said. And David and Jason, if someone had said something like that in one of my meetings, I would have shut them the F down then. And they had a choice. They could protect their buddy or they could like make this a safe place for you know marginalized people to work at and they failed that test of leadership which is so shocking because they've literally published what five books telling people how to be managers i i think that was one of my huge takeaways also from reading casey's thing is that jason in response to like these very heated conversations that are happening between black employees and this other executive, he sounds from the quotes like very like he doesn't know what to say. He's kind of getting tongue tied. He is just like completely floundering. And yeah. like as as a leader, like, yes, it's hard to have these conversations at work. Yes, it's emotional. But to be totally unprepared for that to happen and to kind of just stumble and decide to do nothing in that situation is a complete failure of leadership. Yeah. You're dead on. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think you, you touched on another thing and this was in Casey's second story. Um, uh, and, and, and this was kind of something I, I kind of want to touch on a little bit, which is why we are giving this so much oxygen, which part of me didn't even want to talk. I, I said this last week when, when Simone and I, did the show over like, I don't want to give this oxygen. I don't want to give this stuff. The story got bigger. And and I think now it is, it's at the point now where when the Wall Street Journal is writing op-eds about it, which I personally think is stupid. Uh, like, I don't think this is a company that is important enough to earn an editorial from the Wall Street Journal. I'm sorry. I just don't. Uh, but it's become like this conversation now where we need to talk about it. But what what's, I think the reason why there's been kind of this, this blow up online and in a lot of cases, I think some people, especially people um, who are more, you know, right of center or, or just straight up right uh, wing would say, oh, well, this is just another example of people trying to to use, you know, cancel culture and, and go amok and, and this and that. And it's like, no, that's not really the case. I think the reason that a lot of people were upset with this is there's a certain amount of schadenfreude because for 20 years um, well, really 15. I mean, the company's been around for 22 years, but it's really only been around for like, like, I don't know, like 18, I guess. But, but, you know, for, for 15 plus years, David and Jason have taken it upon themselves to really own thought leadership of a very certain ethos. 
And they hold themselves to very strict kind of morals and quandaries. Like they're, they they look down on anyone who takes venture capital, for instance, even though they took money from Jeff Bezos. Um, they, you know, have very, very specific ways of this is how you run things and this is how a good business is built. And this is our way. And, and, and you know, it's kind of like the the correct way, you know, a trademark, you know, like that is kind of their ethos. And and a lot of people have bought into that. A lot of people have modeled their businesses by, behind that. A lot of people have, have given them like for whatever reason have have said, yes, you you speak the way that we think makes sense and we are going to crown you the thought leader kings of of startup culture and, and of software development culture. Um and so to see it fall apart this way and then to see like like you said this is bad management what happened in this second meeting. I mean, I think the whole mm-hmm. thing, the whole series of blog posts, like like we don't need to go go through the entire, um, I guess, like a rundown of what happened. Read Casey's reporting. It'll give you a much better timeline. But the fact that employees found out about the changes that they were making to the company, in many cases, they found out because it was on their blogs first. Mm-hmm. That right there, I'm sorry, that that is, and in fact, I, if I could go back and read some of the the books that the 37 Signals, which is, you know, what the company was known as for many years, wrote that I, and I have some of them, I'm pretty sure that they would have things in there, which is like, don't just surprise your employees. Don't tell the public before you tell your your, yeah. your employees what you're doing, right? Like, that's just a, a massive manager, like, snafu. And not to say that, it, that big companies don't do that all the time, because they do. But when you pride yourself on being small and doing things the right way, like that right there is a gaffe. And then the second part, I mean, you're exactly right, Bree. When you have somebody who is a very senior person speaking up in a way that is very upsetting to other members of the staff, and and even if it wasn't just, you know, when somebody who has that outsized level of influence and is speaking in a way that is kind of shutting down other people's conversations, and because you don't know how to handle the resulting, you know, like acrimony you kind of go into panic mode and and can't lead and 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 you know it takes you until Casey Newton reaches out for you to say that you unequivocally don't support white supremacy that you weren't yeah. able mm-hmm. to make that comment on the call with employees mm-hmm. like it took you however many you know hours to be on the phone with a reporter to finally say those words you know, I, I can't help but look at this whole thing like a paper tiger. And I can't help but look back at me who've been following these guys since I was in college and thinking, like, have we all been had, right? Like, have we all been scammed? And why have we believed that this company, which is very small, um, and not to say that small companies can't have influence, but in this case, I think that their their years of being influential have long since passed them, to be completely candid. Um, why have we continued to treat them as if they are these messiahs of thought leadership. Like, why have we continued to give them the benefit of the doubt? I mean, I even look back, you know, like last year we had them on our show, you know, for the Hay situation. We were very much on their side. We gave them a lot of leeway to to express their points. We're very supportive. And I still feel like a lot of the things that they were talking about were correct. But I look back at that now and I'm like, you know, I wish that I could say that if another company had been in a similar situation that we would have been able to, like, change our show around and do that. I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't know if we would have. And I just. And I just I have, think there's an irony. I, I think there's a real irony of David continuing to just master blast Apple as his company on Twitter as his company is falling apart. And I. I do want to say though. I. 
I use Hay every day. I know Basecamp isn't your thing, Christina. I I like Basecamp because it's very focused. Uh, that's what we use at Rebellion. No, it's fine. There's nothing and, wrong with Basecamp. Sure. I don't think the base. I I just I my only point with Basecamp is I don't know anyone who uses it other than you. So right. when you sell yourself as like being this huge profitable company, and I'm like, sure. I genuinely do not know anyone who has used this product. Sure. My point is, you know, I feel like I feel like sometimes on uh, the left, there's this this desire for institutions to fail. And it is really hard building a business. It is crazy hard. It is long, long hours. It doesn't give me any personal joy to be critiquing, uh, you know, uh, Basecamp today on this show. It it doesn't. This is not gleeful for me. But I feel at the same time that this is really, really toxic leadership. I there what i think is so hard about this and this is why i keep going through in my brain is there is a discussion to be had a wider discussion an adult discussion about politics at work and how to because there's this balance because you can't yeah. just say no politics at work you know all of us are affected by preconceptions of the world out there some of that does come through the door at the same time, I think all of us have been in professional situations where those differences have been discussed in a toxic way, or at least I certainly have. And I think there's there's a nuanced discussion to be had here. It's just this is not even remotely it. And I think no. for mm-hmm. a company like Basecamp where they're saying – yeah, they make opinionated software. If you use Hey, mm-hmm. it is something with a very big point of view. I That's don't been their whole think, ethos. Right. Yeah. I don't think you can create really opinionated mail software and just check all the politics at the door. I, I just don't. I think you have to bring all of yourself to yeah, work. Yeah, and I, I think the yeah, the larger conversation still needs to be had. And when it comes to this specific situation and the whole list that ignited it, yeah. you can't criticize the diversity committee for bringing politics into work when it's, in a sense, politics that created the list in the first place. Like, I, Yeah, I was going to say, to me, I think that calling this politics is is a complete misnomer because I don't think this is political. I mm-hmm. don't think that's having a conversation. Yeah, this about is a relic are- of a startup that at one point was very few people and a lot of white people and thought this is funny and yeah, now it, have to it, yeah, deal with the consequences it, of that. But but not only that, I mean, this is this is really, this is an HR issue, right? Yeah. Like, this is a human resources issue. This is not a political issue. This is about how we treat people, how we treat our customers. This is how, how we, you know, what our policies are around work. That policies are not politics. This is not a political thing about left or right at all. Yeah. And I think that the framing of that and the way that it was framed in the first couple of blog posts before the reporting came out was really disingenuous. I also want to note, because because I'm sorry, I think that this, I, I lost a lot of respect for, for, for David when I found this out. And like, I don't care if he blocked me, like that doesn't alter my respect for him at all. Like you, you're free to do that. What does alter my respect is that in Casey's reporting, it indicated that someone who had um, previously commented, I guess maybe taken part in the list, was now speaking out against it. And David, as a co-founder, and like you know, when the leaders of this company went through the campfire chats and found evidence and receipts of this person previously commenting on it, and used it as a gotcha <gasps> to try to 
make this person feel embarrassed or to try to like, what's your implication? What, that this person can't change their mind, that they can't be upset about something now, that they can't feel bad or have a different context? Like, I'm sorry, but that sort of behavior as a manager, wow. You know, and then someone reported him to HR. Two people reported him to HR. HR clearly did nothing because what are you going to do? You're going to punish the the guy who owns half the stock in the company. Um, uh, by the way, Basecamp does not give stock to their employees, um, and uh, and they're very proud of that. You know, so the the company is Jason and David. Period. End of story. And it always will Oof. be. And and that's that's a choice. But like to me, I was just really disappointed in that because I'm thinking. Wow, like how immature and thin skinned are you that yeah. you're going to go through receipts to find out that somebody did this to do as a gotcha? Like, what what sort of toxic environment is that? Especially when you're holding yourself up as we are the best place you can work and we pay so well and we have all these opportunities and everyone wants to work for us and we have 900 applications for each job and this and this and this. Wow, you know what? You couldn't pay me enough to work in a place like that if, if, if one of the founders is going to go through the chat history in public to try to call me out because I disagreed with him on something. Like yep. that, especially like ironic because point four in David's blog post about this, point four of the changes they're making, no more lingering or dwelling on past decisions. <laughs> okay, right. Well, also, hey. also one of the things they did in the just real quickly, one of the things they did um, be quick, according Christina. to Casey's second report, <laughs> I, I know, I know, was that they deleted all of the history of the years previous campfire chats and other stuff. They deleted years and years worth and they did it a week before they announced the changes at the company. Yep. So they deleted their history. Now, again, company is perfectly valid to do that, but this is a company that again has literally made money and has sold itself as being transparent. They had their handbook online. They would write their blog posts. Part of the reason that they did this whole thing that they really, I think, thought people were going to give them attaboy points for about talking about getting rid of politics at work and made it public is we think it's important to be transparent. Yeah, except when you would erase 18 years of history from your chat logs because you don't want employees to see what other people have said in the past. Like, wow. This is what I think is so key to this. There was a, this was only a sentence in Casey's article, but I suspect that this is the key to it. So what they said was, uh, you know, just to be really honest, I think people are leaving because I'm paraphrasing here. I think people are leaving because they don't feel that David and Jason will listen to them. And just, just being really honest from the way that David was, we're proud to have him on our show, but he was very heavy handed on the show, conducts himself very heavy handed on Twitter, uh, just frankly comes off as a real arrogant know-it-all, just to really be honest. And my experience with being a leader is you have to be humble with people. You have to be willing to talk to them as equals. You have to be able to hear if you make mistakes, right? And that's why it's so hard because it's holding people to standards and pushing people in a certain direction, but you have to do that from being humble. And I really think that's the core of this whole issue. I think a third of their people left not because you know, of, of a blog post about politics at work, but because they're just so sick of their bosses uh, basically cozying up to another executive that's posting all this racist garbage at work and not listening to them and empowering them to do good work. Like, mm-hmm. that's, my, that's what I believe is really going on here. I believe 
that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by mm-hmm. Pingdom from Solar Winds. Wow, guys. <laughs> well, you've been listening to this podcast. How would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy button or fill out a trial form? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that means you've already lost out on new customers. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site and more importantly, when it isn't. So you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages a day. And for as low as $10 a month, Pingdom helps keep your sites online. Doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need real-time alerts about critical website issues and customization of how you're alerted, whether that's via SMS, email, or your team's collaboration apps. Pingdom even tracks and analyzes your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. Take charge of monitoring your site in minutes and go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM. Uh, thank you to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. Well, 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 we did a good job. But guess what? We've got to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if I mentioned this, listeners, but I'm trying to keep the show short so Christina can go have baby time. But uh, (laughs) we love to talk. All right. This is exciting. The Apple versus Epic trial has begun in Oakland, California. Last time on Apple versus Epic... Epic tried to circumvent the App Store's 30% fee. Apple said, get out of our App Store. (laughs) Epic said, you guys are just like 1984. Big brother up in here. Um, And hashtag free Fortnite. Anyway, and they launched a lawsuit immediately. Now it's finally coming to trial. Uh, Before the trial, according to NPR, Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers seemed skeptical that Apple was indeed operating like a monopoly when it comes to the App Store. However... We will have to wait many, many weeks to hear the final outcome there. But in the meantime, this has been a pleasantly chaotic trial for me, an observer of this trial. (laughs) So first, it was initially delayed on the first day because they had to figure out how to mute the call-in line because gamers (sighs) kept phoning in to yell free Fortnite (laughs) and play Travis Scott songs. Look, I'm so excited that the teens, like care enough about legal process to get on truly i'm glad also that the teens may still be in remote learning and have time to phone in (laughs) to trials in california uh, and play travis scott songs for them what else Uh, are they gonna do yeah right there's a whole uh subtopic here which is the trial struggles with secrecy which rebecca valentine has reported out uh on ign she has a great piece about it but there are all these documents that have been submitted as evidence And initially, they were just posted up in a bucket for people to look at as, you know, uh, the trial's evidence. Uh, And then Epic and Apple and, like, third parties also were like, whoa, wait a minute, our secrets. Uh, So they they were then, like, quickly taken down, and now they're mostly being put back up. But the trial keeps getting stopped because third parties, like people that Apple and Epic work with, companies like Sony... 
keep going, um, hey, can you redact that? <laughs> Those are our secrets. Um, and apparently, <laughs> according to uh, Rebecca, the judge is getting really friggin' annoyed about it. Apple's lawyers are also getting really annoyed about it. I, I think this is mostly this is mostly an epic and epic uh, associate issue where game companies that work with them um, and Epic's own team is like, we don't want people to know about this. Uh, one of the particularly interesting documents, which The Verge wrote about, is this exchange between Epic and Sony, where Epic is trying to convince Sony to allow cross-platform play. Uh, and Sony famously just does not like that. They like to wall all their users off and not let them play with any players on other platforms. They simply hate it. Um, but they caved for Fortnite, and according to these documents, the solution that they reached was a revenue share. So publishers pay Sony, and Sony is the only company that does this, a quote-unquote royalty whenever PlayStation players contribute more than a certain percentage to the bottom line of a cross-platform game to in double quote unquote, offset the reduction in revenue from Sony enabling crossplay because Sony is just convinced that they're losing money by enabling crossplay, which I think personally is very this holy cow, this is so silly. Um, but there's a lot of fun and interesting stuff like this that keeps getting leaked uh, alongside conversations of, you know, the judge asking Tim Sweeney if he knows what a console is. So, that's the conversation <laughs> that's being had. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I did find it very fun to learn just how much all my indie game dev friends are being paid for their deals with uh, through uh, on the Epic Game Store. Like, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and also the, the Microsoft deals involved with that. Uh, I enjoyed that. Other than that, just to really be honest, uh, the opening statements were exactly what I thought they would be. Um, it's kind of fun watching all the tea get spilled, but uh, I'm kind of waiting for more to happen. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's why I brought up the the whole secrecy issue, because we're going to have three weeks of this trial. Uh, we're covering it right now because it's starting. But this is, frankly the most exciting thing that's happened in it so far. <laughs> uh, Christina, what about you? What are, Where do you stand on this? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, we're going to have more to talk about this in, in the coming weeks um, as more information comes out. Right now, it is, I think, there's kind of the gleefulness of, first, there was the depositions that were released, and there were some really interesting things in Scott Forstall's deposition and some of the other depositions that, you know, came out. Um, and... Uh, the, the testimony so far, yeah, like the stuff they're having to redact on the fly. I'm not a lawyer, but I've, I've watched enough court stuff, um, like like live trials and whatnot, to say that this does seem like this is um, something with, with FX attorneys not following, you know, a protocol that, that the the court uh, goes by and, and isn't redacting stuff the right way. Um, so uh, seeing this have to be handled the way that it is, I mean, that's that's uh, that's sort of funny. I'm here for the gossip. There's a lot of it. I ultimately don't know how this is going to go. Um, you know, the judge is, is deciding, they, they purposely decided that they were not wanting this to go before a jury, that they wanted to put this before a judge, which uh, I think in, in, a, in a case like this probably makes sense because it can get so complicated. Um, but uh, 
the stuff that is being burned the, and, and, and the, the tea that is being spilled and the secrets that we're all learning because mm-hmm. of this, these are the sorts of trials I love. Like it, the the Nintendo Atari trial uh, in, in the um, late 80s, early 90s that went on forever. I think it ended in 93 about uh, blocking out um, Atari's access, uh, like not being an, so the, uh, n- non-officially licensed consoles could could work in a, in a Nintendo was a similar case where I remember looking back at those transcripts um, when I was older and, and just being like, oh, man, all the dirt and all the stuff that, that came out of that was so interesting. I think that's kind of the case here, especially with companies. Apple is so secretive, so we get a lot of stuff on that. But Epic is as well. And I yeah, mean, the interesting thing is that like all game companies are like this. They are. And I, I think it really. And this is the question that Rebecca touches on in her piece is like, this is very silly. And I, I get wanting to keep like business transactions and like those conversations private. I think we saw with, with the Sony leaks, uh, uh, those emails, we saw a lot of stuff that obviously was just not meant for the public's eyes. But games, video games famously are just so locked down on like everything from like little release dates to how things are done to just everything. And it really in, in the context of this trial does start to look so excessive and like so dramatic and so frankly silly, like I said. Um, so totally. well, I don't it's petty. Know. It's petty as all get out, but that's, I, I have to say like, I don't agree with a lot of Tim Sweeney's arguments in, in this, in this case. Mm-hmm. Like I think there are valid things you can critique about the app store and how it works. I do feel like they shoot themselves in the foot when they are like, okay, when he admits that they would have signed an exclusive deal with Apple and when they are willing Whoops. to give Sony a percentage of, um, you know, profits, it happens to be 30%, you know, so that Fortnite crossplay will exist. Like, there, there are things like that that I think undermine a lot of their core points. But I have to say, I have to give it to the guy. Like, he really did just say, I'm going to burn it all to the ground. Yeah. Like, yeah. I he, think he got mad at like, so I'm going to burn it to the ground. And, and that's, yeah. that's, I love watching that as an outsider. I do, I have to say. I think what's so surprising looking at all the the data here is just how little uh, money is at play for this. I was shocked to find out the majority of people that play Fortnite do it on PlayStation. iOS is a rounding error, right? Mm -hmm. I I, I believe I said that last year. Yeah, I believe uh, PC I didn't realize, but but I believe last year I even (laughs) said it was like they don't make any money on iOS. Sorry, go on. Just looking, (laughs) but looking at all of this, it's 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 so apparent that this is it's really about political positioning right like this is really about tim sweeney and epic taking on the app store just for for because they think it's going to help them in the long run it's not about like there's no financial case at play here mm-hmm. well we will keep you posted as this trial goes on i'm hoping that a lot of more a lot more fun and interesting stuff gets leaked in the next three weeks to keep us entertained until we finally get a verdict um, which will prove to be very exciting. I think, as you, as you both kind of alluded to, we have no idea how this is going to go. Um, arguments, Tim Sweeney's arguments, not that convincing. Judge doesn't appear to be leaning towards Epic, but it's only the first week, so uh, we will stay tuned. Hey, now, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they've got you covered. 
Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website, the Picasso of websites, but so much easier to navigate. You start with a professionally designed template because he was a modernist painter. Okay. Anyway, modernist. Okay. You start with a professionally designed template and use drag and drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile, so your content automatically adjusts so it will look great on any device, which is so important. You'll also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas the heck out there. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, to showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, to publish your next blog post, to promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so much more. I'm excited to have Squarespace continue to sponsor us. I've always enjoyed interacting with their product, and I think that you will as well. So head to squarespace.com rocket for a free trial with no credit card required. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ROCKET to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for us here at ROCKET. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but the minute I start doing an ad read, my mouth fills with saliva. It's immediate. It's I'm, I'm salivating because of all these great products. <laughs> it's not a problem before, but as soon as I start talking. <laughs> it, that's just the Simone magic happening in your mouth. Yeah, it's that's how I, my emotions manifest through saliva. <laughs> It's a terrible thing. Anyway, oh. our final dessert topic today oh, is a great so thing. Yes. Uh, so you both got the Backbone One controller. And Christina, in fact, I believe you used it on your cross-country flight that you just took. But Brianna, you were the first one to bring this to our attention. So why don't you take it away and tell no, us what this is? No, no. I, 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 um, I, I will now give Christina ample oh. credit for being the visionary <laughs> I've slandered my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I sit there on Twitter. I'm, you know, screwing around. And Christina's talking about getting another product. And of course, my first reaction is, oh, here. Here we go again. <laughs> and I look into it and it's this thing called backbone. And all of us, like we've all seen this gimmicky BS that they'll bring out for iPhone, like clamp controllers on the ends and, you know, get the full gaming experience. But the thing that's changed in the last few years is now that they've been promoting all these games on Apple TV 
Apple Arcade is actually really universal in having their games support controllers. So if, like me, most of the games you play on iOS or on Apple Arcade, and you think they'd be better with the controller, this is the time that like a backbone external controller for your iPhone would actually have a wide range of support. So Christina was talking about how reviews and people she trusted said it was good. And I'm like, well, I'm going on vacation soon. Let's give it a go. Uh, 10 out of 10. Thank you, Christina Warren. Great recommendation. What do you think about it? I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so, um, and, le- and like you said, these the, this type of thing has been around for a while, but um, Razer, uh, I think there's this called like the Kish or something like that came out um, a, a little bit beforehand. It costs about the same. This, this is a $100 product. Um, and um, reviews tend to like this one better. Uh, if you had the Razer, I'm not really, some people say that they really like the backbone better. I'm personally not going to say that you should spend another $100 on another controller for your iPhone. Um, but but if you were looking between the two, uh, people who played with both seem to like this one better, uh, mostly because this has passed through um, a pow- like a, a charging support, which is really nice. Um, it also has an app that you don't have to use, but I really like that is a really nice interface for browsing the App Store and finding apps that work with a controller, um, which is something that the, the regular App Store doesn't do a super great job of, to be totally honest. And the, the but the thing about this too is that it doesn't just work with um, you know like Apple Arcade uh, although it, it works with that great you can use it with um, Shadow you can use it with GeForce Now you can use it with a PS Remote Play and and Xbox Remote Play you can use it with the XCloud Beta which is available on iOS um, works with Stadia for how much longer that's going to be around and then any app that has controller support will support it. And uh, I think that the controls feel great. You know, it does, it feels very similar to my Switch Lite. And and I think that that's a really good compliment. Um, it uh, it feels sturdy. I, I like the, the app that you can use to browse things. I'm just, so far, I'm just really, really impressed with it. And um, I have to say, it's almost a cheat code for Call of Duty uh, <laughs> mobile because everyone else is playing it on, you know, like with oh, touch screens. And Fortnite's I, not on there. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but you <laughs> right. could play remote play, but you could play remote play. That's the thing. You could use oh, like yeah. GeForce Now or you could use, you know, PS Remote Play or Xbox Remote Play and you could play Fortnite that way on your yeah, phone. But then you're playing with people that have controllers. This is great because you're playing with people hindered okay, with the enough. touch screen. So I'm just rolling in there. I'm like, <laughs> I am God. Twenty <laughs> kill streak, Brianna Wu. Take oh, that, twelve-year-old. No. They probably I, think you're is. a hacker, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like no, I'm just playing with a good controller. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't tried it with the PS5 pass through yet, uh, either. Or Steam Link, obviously, uh, or Xbox uh, uh, Remote Play, whatever they call that. So I can't. I can't personally endorse that but i i can't say what is this it was like a hundred dollars it's certainly worth a hundred dollars to be able to really play all the apple arcade games on your phone mm-hmm. ocean horn 2 is actually playable now it's not oh, as nice. good as zelda but it's a it's a solid zelda clone so i i think this is a, a very good product and frankly it's so good i'd be surprised if apple didn't uh think about doing something like this yeah, and I think yeah. when you think about if you have an Apple Arcade subscription and there are some games on there that you can buy on a different platform, but they're on Apple Arcade, mm-hmm. but they are probably better on the other platform. Oh, but you have a controller. Look at you. 
and you have Apple Arcade in this scenario. You know, the the, the two people out there that no, I'm talking totally to, do. they just like perked up and they're like, whoa. <laughs> no, that's me. I mean, there no, are and games, but- Shantae and the Seven Sirens. This oh, is yeah. a really good example. I bought that on PS4. And I also buy on Switch. So that would be a fantastic Stardew Valley. example. Yeah. Stardew Valley is an example, right? Like oh, where gosh, yeah. You, you, you get, a, get a good experience no matter where you're playing it. But like, honestly, I think it's cheaper on Switch than it is on, um, uh, 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 it's cheaper rather on iOS than it is on Switch, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, this gives you basically the same experience. Mm-hmm. Um I, I really like it. I will say, too, I mean, Brie hasn't played the remote play stuff. Um, I am in the xCloud uh, beta for iOS. That is still, it's very much in beta and, and they're working stuff out. But that's really impressive. And I think that, like, that to me kind of opens up this type of device even beyond, like, it's great for all the iOS games. But it, I think it also turns your iPhone into this console that could play a lot of other things when you're away from your main console or or otherwise that you don't have that flexibility with with other things that you know um other portables right like a other portables don't really exist and and b it's not like i can imagine that nintendo is going to have apps that will let you do remote console play for geforce or those other services right like i i just i I, maybe they will do that but i i don't anticipate it so it it for me it could yeah, I saw some reviews that positioned, like, try to do this versus the Switch. I don't think that's fair. I think that, that they're still very distinct sense. products. Right. Like, it, I and, would and like my friend, to tell you. Oh, wrap up yeah. your thought. Wrap it up, I Christina. I was just going to say, <laughs> thank you. I was just going to say, there's two separate products, but if you are somebody who plays a lot of iOS games and you're looking to maybe do more of that, this is awesome. Yeah. Hey now, this episode of Rocket is also brought to you by our network pals, Make Do from Relay FM. If you like our show, there's a good chance you'll like them too. Uh, Make Do is a show about monetizing your hobbies. You don't have to do that, but if you want to, the Make Do podcast is ready to be your cheerleader. Host Tiff Armand is a glass artist, painter, and photographer with a not-so-secret past in Broadway costuming, which I didn't know about her. That's cool. Uh, also hosting is Julia Scott, a journalist, potter, and self-proclaimed textile goblin. Uh, some great episodes that they have out there include The Myth of the Tragic Artist, uh, which is... Uh, everyone thinks that artists have to suffer to create their great art and sometimes suffering does create great art but you don't have to (laughs) it's the the 20th century it's the 21st century oh my god i don't understand time uh another great episode out there is don't tell me how to hobby Uh, or you can just start from the beginning and listen to their whole crafty artistic journey i don't actually have any craft podcasts on my docket right now so this sounds like really soothing and nice and Potentially inspiring, like as a person who has just oh sucked so much at my creative hobbies over the last year. Um, if anyone else is in the same boat, this is probably a good place to look for a little bit of hope. <laughs> uh, listen, as you hobby, go to relay.fm slash make do or search for make do. That's M-A-K-E space D-O make do like this, the phrase wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, guys, uh, and have a great evening. What? <laughs> They're not listening to this, and I'm not done with the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Christina, what are you doing this week? Um, I, I'm going to be with a baby. Uh, Whoa. I, I, and, and look, I know I'm kind of like in generally anti-children, but 
this one's really cute and I'm really excited. My sister had a baby and she named him after me. And uh, I'm uh, his name is Christian Eason and I'm Christina Eason. So, That's so I'm going to cry. Nice. And, and he's, uh, he's adorable. He was born on Saturday. They came home from the hospital today. And so I'm in Atlanta until the 15th. And I'm going to be just like balls out with like baby stuff. Like I, I got him Jordans and I got him Converse and and uh, a Winnie the Pooh onesie that I'm going to like make him wear to look very cute. And um, <laughs> I see my family for the first time in 18 months. So it's it's pretty great. I'm pretty excited. You're going to pay for his college with Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is up. Like, it's stupid. It's, it's the dumbest thing in the world. So, yeah. Maybe pay for his college with Doge. The curse will not end with you. The Christina will live on. I guess That's I should be know. ready in about 18 years to be kicked off your HBO Max so that Christian can have his account. Okay. I see how it is. Um, hey, Brianna, what are you doing this week? Uh, this week, I am preparing for the Day of Reckoning. Whoa. Really psyched about the Day of Reckoning, which is eminent. Uh, Christina versus Simone is <gasps> our member exclusive special. I am uh, preparing for that. I've actually overprepared for this. Like, I, I just, I have so many awesome ideas for it. And I, I can tease this for you. I can tease it. Just so you know the stakes for when we record this, one of you will be walking away with Xena Warrior Princess seasons <gasps> one and two no! on VHS. You can say me. It's, you can say Simone <laughs> will be walking away. Simone okay. will be walking away with Xena Warrior Princess seasons one and two. Like, come on. On on VHS. On You'll VHS. Have to on VHS. So that's ah, what I'm doing. I see. So you've created a, a conundrum where I know Christina <laughs> has a VHS player sitting in a closet somewhere. Yeah, probably. Okay. Anyway. Well, if I win, you have to send me a VHS player. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited for that. If you are a Relay uh, FM this member, awesome. you're going to get to listen to this. And if you're not a Relay FM member, you can't listen to it. And that's just the cross you're going to have to bear in life. Uh, what am I doing this week? Uh, honestly, I have a video coming out tomorrow that I've just been working like a dog on, and I am so excited to be done with it and have it out there because I'm really proud of it. So uh, you you can watch that. And once I'm done with that video, boy, am I going to be sleeping. You, can you tell us what it's about? It's about Neopets. Oh, wow. Yeah, awesome. baby. Yeah, baby. Nice, nice, nice. So and we'll excited. probably be talking about it more next week. So, uh, hey. Where can I find you online, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. The Instagrams, there will be lots of, uh, I'm not going to do hotel tours, but I will do probably like a basement tour, maybe go through old video game stuff. Um, and there's going to be tons and tons of um, stuff in my stories of my nephew. So I would uh, like an Instagram of you trying to change a diaper. I would find that very okay, amusing. You know what? That would <laughs> Everyone, I think, would. Um, I held a baby... Last week, uh, my, my friend uh, Ashley's baby Marlo, and they were like, you look like you haven't held a baby ever. And I was like, it's not ever. It's just been. And then I like did the math. It was like 20 years. So, yeah, it's um, this is all new for me. But uh, so, yeah, if if I if I do, in fact, change a diaper, I will make my sister Instagram it because a, am not so sure that's going to happen. But B, that will be hilarious for everyone involved except for me, which will obviously make me pleased because I love to roast myself so yeah i'll, I'll do my best <laughs> yeah. there and brianna where can i find you 
Oh, you can find me at uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter. And if you want to support my pack, Rebellion Pack, uh, you can do that at helptherebellion.com. Uh, y'all, we got to keep the house for 2022. I'm, I'm looking at some of these numbers. I'm getting nervous. We don't go to sleep, y'all. We got, we got real yeah, work yeah. to do. <laughs> yep, yep. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar. And my videos are at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. In the middle of that sentence, I remembered that I have to email back the you, the the listener who's going to sell me Super Mario 3D. Uh, um, <laughs> ah. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I appreciate you. If you like this show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, or share it with a friend. That would be super cool of you. Thank you for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.